Hi, I'm Philip Anthony Albertelli, and this is The Week in Doubt, episode 134, Creepy Nativity Scenes. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at www.audibletrial.com slash theweekindoubt. A hundred thousand titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. So yet another Christmas has come and gone, but that's not going to stop me from doing a post-holiday episode on the subject of creepy nativity scenes. First up is a story from right here in my home state of Massachusetts. As surreal as it sounds, it seems that someone has recently replaced a church's nativity statue of the baby Jesus with a severed pig's head. I have to admit, and hopefully this doesn't change the way you uh, think of me, that when I first heard the story being reported on the local news, it gave me kind of a sick chuckle. Uh, I don't believe that religious statues or images actually possess any divine properties, so to me it seemed more like an irreverent prank than a grievous act of sacrilege. Although it should go without saying that it's not right to steal other people's stuff or mess with their property. Where my opinion started to change is when I realized there may be an animal cruelty aspect to the story. Uh, you guys know me, lover of animals, conflicted carnivore, etc. Uh, well, it seems that according to the police, the pig's head doesn't seem to have been processed like the type you might buy at a deli. It still had hair on it, etc. Meaning that some sick person may have decapitated the animal just for this specific purpose. And we could get into a whole philosophical discussion about whether you're decapitated by a professional butcher or some random psycho, you're still decapitated. So isn't that still kind of technically animal cruelty? Well, hopefully a professional butcher would employ some kind of quote-unquote humane method of dispatching the pig. But I won't hold my breath too long because... Um, as I've covered in the past on the show when discussing leaked video footage from factory farms, pigs are sometimes treated quite brutally. But it must have been quite a lurid scene, this pig's head, uh, where there should be a statue of the baby Jesus. I don't know if any of you guys out there are fans of the Dexter uh, TV series or novels, but it kind of reminds me of something a Dexter villain would do, staging this kind of grotesque uh, spectacle. But anyway, I'll read a little bit from a Gawker article. Blasphemous trickster swaps baby Jesus with pig's head in nativity scene, and this is by Alexander Chan. A Christmas mystery, Haverhill Mass. Police are reportedly searching for the person or persons responsible for stealing the baby Jesus from the nativity scene outside Sacred Hearts Church and replacing the figure with a real pig's head. Police tell WDHD that the vandals struck the nativity scene in the early morning hours of Christmas Day. I, I didn't realize it was actually right on Christmas Day. That's kind of uh, extra grinchy. Uh, let's see. Police are investigating the incident, which took place on a busy, well-lit street during the day. A news conference is planned for 10 a.m. Friday. Okay. On Friday morning, Brenda Burns of Haverhill visited Sacred Hearts Church and put her own baby Jesus in the manger to replace the one that was stolen. CNN reports police are asking for the public's help in tracking down who stole Christ. Um, wow, that's a powerful phrase, who stole Christ. 
it sounds like the title of a, a book a Fox News contributor might write. But anyway, uh, there's a couple of uh, reader comments down below here on Gawker. Someone says, seems like a waste of perfectly good pig's head. Uh, someone else says, that could have been used to make a good soup base. Uh, the next person says, or better yet, head cheese. And then the uh, last person here says, damn right, I celebrated Xmas by having sacred head cheese for breakfast. Well, in keeping with that irreverent spirit, uh, I remember joking with a friend of mine who also heard the story. Uh, I said, what if the priest suddenly knelt down before the pig's head and started a new religion? Uh, yeah, I know, it's terrible. Uh, I should probably apologize to my listeners who happen to be believers. This uh, is probably the most disrespectful segment in the show's history. And I'm always talking about how from the get-go, this is supposed to be a really kind of inclusive and welcoming podcast. Uh, but anyway, uh, one more brief note on this story. When I was first watching the report, I saw the priest stating that their reaction was that of pure horror or terror, and that the police were even thinking of considering a hate crime. And my first reaction was, come on, that's a bit over the top, isn't it? But then I asked myself if I was being intellectually honest about it. And I thought, well, what if it was a synagogue and someone had marked it with a swastika or something? Would I still be as cavalier? Uh, I'm not sure how analogous the comparison is, but it seems at least somewhat fair. Ironically, I'm not Jewish. I was born into a Catholic family, uh, but I think I would nevertheless have a much more visceral reaction if it had been an act of anti-Semitic vandalism. I'm not sure if that makes me a hypocrite or not. I think part of the reason has to do with not only a long tradition of Jewish persecution in general, uh, pogroms throughout the Middle Ages, etc., but specifically the Holocaust. The Holocaust is one of the darkest and most nightmarish episodes in human history. And I think that we are so wary of ever seeing something like that happen again that we're rightly on guard against anti-Semitism. Perhaps uh, Catholicism, uh, rightly or wrongly, doesn't enjoy the same guarded status at this time. Uh, I don't know. Food for thought. On to the next creepy nativity story. So it seems that a guy who works at some kind of haunted house exhibit, I believe, decided to take um, some of his props and turn them into a rather ghoulish nativity scene. I have to admit up front I'm going to be a bit of a hypocrite on this one. Here I was just joking around about a pig's head nativity, and now I'm going to get a little more reserved with my uh, reaction to this story. I already voiced my concern about the animal abuse angle in the previous story, but other than that, I didn't really make a big issue out of the uh, prank, if we can call it that. But I think my problem with this so-called zombie nativity is that it just kind of throws me a bit. I like how we have different holidays with different moods and themes. I feel like keep the zombies relegated to Halloween. I refrain from uh, the Easter zombie Jesus jokes. And uh, let's keep Christmas the more cheerful and heartwarming holiday. I'm not saying the guy doesn't have the right to do it. I just personally don't dig it. Uh, I plan on making a video version of this episode, so I'll include some pictures. Mary looks like some weird zombie slash mummy thing, like a prop from an old Italian B-horror uh, flick. And the baby Jesus looks like a creepy possessed baby. And I don't know if it's supposed to be Joseph or one of the Magi, but there's a dude to the right who appears to be missing his skin. 
He's just a bloody skeleton with eyeballs. Kind of like the uh, the Crimson Heads from the Resident Evil games, if you're uh, at all familiar. So I love horror movies. I love horror survival video games and things. But as I said, I'd rather see this stuff on Halloween than Christmas. Jack Skellington just makes the cut. But bloody skinless Joseph, too much for me. But... <clears throat> Once again, I reiterate by saying just my opinion, not saying that uh, people shouldn't have the right to put up those kind of displays. I'll quickly read a little bit from an article um, just to give you any details I might have missed. Zombie nativity scene creator vows to do it again next year, and this is by Oliver LeBow. Call it the Christmas controversy that just wouldn't die. Jason Dixon is not backing down after being ordered to remove his front yard zombie-themed nativity scene featuring an undead baby, three ghoulish kings, and a severed head, all under a glowing pentagram. Instead, Dixon is raising money for a bigger undead display next December. I want to make a better zombie nativity scene for everyone to see next year and raise funds to pay the township citations for having the structure, he said on his Indiegogo crowd, uh, crowdfunding page. He's hoping to bring in 5000 for bigger and better fake corpses and accessories. Perhaps undead barn animals are in the works. There is a long tradition of dark humor around the holidays to balance out all the earnest good cheer, of course, from songs that belong on Santa's naughty list to Christmas sweaters that you wouldn't wear in front of mom. And if you haven't gotten an offbeat or slightly inappropriate holiday card over the years, you might want to upgrade your circle of friends. You can even buy a handmade zombie nativity scene of your own on Etsy.com. The seller says it's from the 1960s, proving that zombie kitsch is not a new phenomenon. But Dixon has provoked substantial ire from many of his fellow residents in Sycamore Township, Ohio. The neighbors don't like it. My father hates it, Dixon admits to Fox 19. Dixon claims he simply worked with what he had at hand. Since he manages a chain of haunted houses, that meant using some unorthodox materials for the manger. Dixon lists his profession as artist on his Facebook page. I wanted a nativity scene, and I worked with what I had, he tells Fox 19. He was ordered two days before Christmas to take it down or face a $1,000 fine, but he won't be putting the controversy to rest anytime soon. That explanation sounds a bit disingenuous. I really wanted a manger scene, but all I had to work with was fake corpses. <laughs> I think he could have found some more wholesome materials if he really wanted. So on to the next bit of uh, Christmas creepiness. Well, this one's a bit more lighthearted, perhaps more humorous than creepy. There's a centuries-old tradition in Spain, mostly um, Catalonian regions, but also in parts of Italy and even southern France, uh, where I think there's a Catalan or um, Catalonian influence. But the tradition is that of displaying a figure known as, uh, well, it's spelled Caganer, C-A-G-A-N-E-R, but I believe it's pronounced Cagane. The word translates into English as the crapper or the defecator or even the, the well, I'm not going to say it, but expletive beginning with S-H and ending with the suffix E-R. And it's literally a tradition of displaying a character in or near a nativity scene who is portrayed or depicted as defecating, pants down, squatting, complete with what is supposed to be a freshly made mound of excrement uh, on the ground beneath him. 
And I'll make sure to include some pics. As they used to say on the web, pics are to happen. Always found that saying obnoxious. Uh, anyway, and when you first hear of this, it's like, no way, this can't be a real tradition. It's so outrageous. But I assure you, it is very real. And uh, with many old traditions, there's some confusion regarding its exact origins. But it's thought that the defecation aspect can have several possible meanings. One is that it could be seen as a symbol of fertilization and good luck. Another, that it's meant to indicate the, that supposedly, uh, for believers, I guess, we can never be sure when the Lord will come. We may even be literally caught with our pants down. And another possible explanation is that it's meant to symbolize humility and how we are all equal in the fact that we all defecate. This last explanation may help to explain how in recent years a fad has come about of depicting high-profile individuals such as pop stars and heads of state as Kagane statues. I remember the first time I saw an image of one, it was of a giant gnome-like figure squatting down in what I think was the middle of a Spanish shopping mall. It looked like it was so big that its head actually rose above the second floor railing. Uh, as you can imagine, the package, shall we say, it left behind was also quite sizable. So this last story has nothing to do with nativity scenes. Well, in a broad sense, it might sense they are a part of Christmas. Well-known astrophysicist Neil deGrasse Tyson recently managed to ruffle some feathers uh, by making a number of somewhat controversial Christmas tweets. I'll actually read some of the tweets now. And actually, this is from BuzzFeed, and uh, it's entitled, Neil deGrasse Tyson stands his ground after offending Christians on Twitter. Scientist Neil deGrasse Tyson has refused to apologize for a series of tweets sent out on Christmas Day that upset many Christians. Normally known for posting about scientific curiosities, Tyson tweeted the following post on Christmas Day. And the first one is, Merry Christmas to all. A pagan holiday, B.C., becomes a religious holiday, A.D., which then becomes a shopping holiday, U.S.A. The second one is, question, this year, what do all the world's Muslims and Jews call December 25th? Answer, Thursday. Um, one particular post soon became Tyson's most retweeted post of all time with more than 69,000 retweets. On this day long ago, a child was born who by age 30 would transform the world. Happy birthday, Isaac Newton, born December 25th, 1642. And I love this one. I don't know if this one's meant to be taken seriously or not, or if it's meant to uh, be in jest. But someone named Matt Dawson <clears throat> tweeted back, Fun fact, Isaac Newton was a creationist. Where's your God now, Neil? <laughs> Neil deGrasse Tyson is a smart guy. I'm sure he knows that uh, not only was Isaac Newton a brilliant, a brilliant scientist, but he was also obsessed with the Bible and um, I guess what you would call, for lack of a better term, kind of Christian mysticism. And let's all remember, too, that this was long before the uh, advent of the concept of Darwinian evolution. So the only other possibility you really had to go with at the time is that there must have been some grand designer designed everything. But I'm sure uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson is already aware of uh, Isaac Newton's religious nature. Let's see. Someone named Lee Youngblood uh, tweeted back, amazing clowns like this can insult my savior. Yet if I say Merry Christmas, it's viewed as insensitive or insulting. Well, I'm uh, an atheist or agnostic atheist, hard agnostic, whatever you want to call me, non-believer. Um, 
And I love when people say Merry Christmas to me and I say Merry Christmas back. So not all non-believers are alike in that regard. Um, <clears throat> so cover your ears if you don't want to hear me swear. But the next person, Sue Palmer, uh, at, <laughs> at Neil Tyson, you piece of shit, how dare you blaspheme a holy day for billions? When it's Muhammad's birthday, will you do the same? I love the anger, man. Holy crap. Uh, and the next person simply tweets, F you, but I'm giving you the uh, abbreviation there. They say the whole phrase. F you um, over 10 times in a row. Okay. Then someone else, I'm not sure if they're just joking around, but uh, someone else tweeted back, I'm going to give you a monster wedgie, you nerd. But see, as the guy in the picture uh, looks rather nerdy himself and has um, a rather awkward beard and a big pair of specs, um, maybe he's uh, an admirer and he said it joking around. And then uh, this one I, I, I like. He said, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson uh, delivered yet another tweet. Imagine a world in which we're all enlightened by objective truths rather than offended by them. And I think that's brilliant. Now, that's my idea of a good tweet. Uh, so otherwise, what do I think about NDT's tweets? Still hate the word tweet, by the way. Well, as a non-believer and a rational human being, I agree with just about 100% of what he said. Some of his statements, like Isaac Newton's birthday and uh, Christmas having pagan roots, uh, those are simply facts. But I guess some people, even I think fellow brainiacs, took some offense to his statement about Isaac Newton's birthday because supposedly whether or not Newton was born on the 25th depends on uh, whether or not you're going with the Gregorian calendar. I do feel a little, though, like good old Neil might have been trolling a bit. Um, most of us who are non-believers are already aware of things like the pagan roots of Christmas, etc., uh, certain facts about uh, Isaac Newton. So it makes me wonder if he wasn't trying to bait believers a bit. Um, they're actually the kind of statements I usually refrain from making on Twitter because I'm afraid of either looking juvenile to my secular peers or of finding myself in some unwanted flame war with, uh, with believers. Uh, but that being said, it's not the end of the world. Still love Neil deGrasse Tyson. And like I said, his statements were largely factual, so you can't fault him on that. I did love his uh, his last tweet. But with that being said, I guess I'll call this ep a wrap. Did I just say ep again? Yes, I did. Uh, you guys know the drill. Uh, I'd love it if you would give the Facebook page a like. You can also follow the show on Twitter. Check out the YouTube channel. You can subscribe to the show via Podbean. You can also check out the archives there. If you're feeling generous while you're at the Weekend Dell Podbean page, uh, there's some alliteration. You can use the PayPal, more alliteration, the PayPal widget to leave a donation to the show. It can be anything as little as 99 cents, and that will help with the upkeep, the cost of uh, hosting the feed monthly and all that stuff. Also, you can listen to the show on Stitcher now, and you can also subscribe to the show or leave a review through iTunes, and that would also be much appreciated. And then, yes, there's also Patreon. I think it should be patreon.com slash The Week in Doubt. The Week in Doubt, all one word. And I think you can support the show by donating like a dollar a month or something like that. I don't think anyone's taken me up on it yet, but hey, <clears throat> I can always dream. 
<laughs> but with all that being said, uh, thanks for listening, and until next week. Mm-hmm.